The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today, I am honored to welcome my guest, Ms. Breeze Tenser. She is the executive director of the Organic Farming Research Foundation, which works nationally but is based in Santa Cruz, California. Ms. Tenser brings 17 years of leadership experience working on organic food policy, farming, and research issues to OFRF. She most recently served as Director of Policy and Programs for California Certified Organic Farmers, where she managed the Government Affairs and Grower Education Programs. Prior to that, she served as lead lobbyist on food and agriculture issues for the Union of Concerned Scientists, where she developed legislative campaigns on a range of agricultural issues, including organic and climate change, USDA research priorities, and food safety. She also worked to end the overuse of antibiotics in livestock production. Ms. Tenser worked as acting policy program director and later as legislative coordinator for the Organic Farming Research Foundation. During that time, she helped initiate the Organic Agricultural Caucus in the U.S. House of Representatives and the Organic Farmers Action Network. Ms. Tenser has served on the boards of the Northwest Center for Alternatives to Pesticides, the California Climate and Agricultural Network, and the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition. She holds a B.A. in Community Studies from the University of California, Santa Cruz, and she holds a Certificate in Conflict Resolution and a Master's in International Environmental Policy from the Monterey Institute of International Studies. Wow. Welcome, Ms. Tenser. It's great to have you with me. Thank you. It's great to be here. You have a terrific background, and I always wonder, how is it that people find their path and their mission in life? How did you focus on organic agriculture, and especially the policy pieces. What made that come together for you? It's a great question. Growing up where I did in a place where organic farming was thriving, even before there was a national legislation defining organic and regulations around how to do that, but the concept of it has been thriving for a long time and certainly growing up in the early 70s. I was fed organic food and raised with a culture of that But falling into it professionally was sort of unexpected for me. I have my background in really environmental studies and environmental policy. And the farther I got into my both my studies as well as my career, the more I just became fascinated by this strong link between environmental issues and agricultural production and really saw the practices related to organic systems is a core to addressing some of those in one clearly defined way. So I became very, very passionate and have been honored to be able to spend the last 20 or so years of my life working the organic food movement. Yeah. I'm curious to know, because I see a different maybe slice of consumers from where I sit. I live in the Midwest. I'm from the East Coast. And I work with registered dietitians largely in my professional practice. And I sense that there is still a lot of confusion about what organic food and farming is. So if you're in an elevator and somebody says, what is organic? Do you have a pat answer to help people understand 
what organic farming is exactly? I love that question, and I mostly love it because I completely agree. There, there is still a lot of, I think, consumer confusion about organic as well as other labels. But really, I think what defines organic is a well-named, transparent set of practices used for the production as well as the processing and handling of food that ensures their integrity, both for prohibiting toxic substances, for supporting biodiversity, for protecting the soil, for prohibiting use of GMOs and other things that people don't want in their food. And I think what's particularly important about the organic label is that it's defined and it means that those have been independently verified for meeting those standards. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think that that step is important and I, I would be remiss not to name it it gives consumers confidence because you know it is what it says it is. Yeah. And I hear from consumers sometimes a sense of lack of trust about the label. And like you, I try to help consumers understand that there are laws guiding organic farming practices, that there are many confusing labels in the marketplace. But I believe personally, based on what I've learned working with organic farmers, having served on the board of OFRF, full disclosure, I have learned so much about the integrity of organic farming practices and the work that goes into maintaining those laws and what organic is supposed to be that I think it's the best label we've got out there. I completely agree. And one of the things I just personally love and find fascinating about organic farming and the movement of organic practice as a whole is in a world where there have been a proliferation of labels and terms used for different practices of food production, that this is the one that is the the best defined, has most transparency and the most enforcement. And I think what's fascinating about it is back in the day when we didn't have as much regulation around it and farmers were sort of in formally checking their neighbors and seeing, yes, are you doing this right or not? But it became a groundswell where the farmers and the others involved in the organic sector were saying, well, our whole business is based on consumer confidence that we're doing what we say we're doing. And so as far as I know, it is one of the only industries I've ever heard of where the community themselves came to the federal government and said, regulate us, please regulate us, be as strict as you can, make the toughest standards that you can, and would you please, please, please enforce it as rigorously as you can. Come check it, verify it, because for the organic farmers as well as processors and retailers and others who are providing organic foods, all of it depends on the consumer confidence. So it is the agent themselves that's pushed for national legislation, regulation, and a strict process of third-party independent verification. And I think it's what really sets organic apart from other terms and labels that that might refer to food practices. I could not agree more. That third-party verification is so critical. And gosh, organic has been doing this for so long that I hope our listeners know that after this program that they do have renewed faith and confidence in that label and that that there's Mm -hmm. always policing going on. We hear about cheaters maybe, but I believe that they're few and far between. And I think that that consumer confidence, I totally agree with you that that is key. And if you look at how the food industry works, that is exactly what they're after. They want consumer confidence first and foremost in their products. 
Absolutely. And I, and I think of this history of the passage of that 1990 Organic Food Production Act, which is that legislation that defined the organic standard. And that was actually done as part of the 1990 Farm Bill. And the progress we've made in continuing to refine both the standards and the enforcement of it. And you know, we just keep working and the industry themselves and the farmers keep working to continue to tighten and strengthen those standards and make sure the practices are as good as they can be. And that's sort of where we as an organization come in is trying to also make sure the science is there for the farmers so that they have the tools and the practices to keep making sure their practices are the very best they can be within an organic system. Well, absolutely. And science is the key, I think, for everyone, certainly for consumer trust. And within the profession of dietetics, where we're working in a field of public health, we really rely on that science. And and that leads me to the Organic Farming Research Foundation's great role in helping to fund research projects. And while I served on the board, I will never forget going on a field trip and visiting a farm where a farmer was looking at what he could plant prior to planting broccoli. I believe mustard was one of the crops he was planting that would reduce the incidence of pests on the broccoli plant. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. So we're affecting the soil organisms and we're affecting pest risk simply by planting something prior to planting the crop that's going to bring us the economic win. Absolutely. I think what's interesting about organic is that, you know, we're learning more and more about practice-based solutions for managing weeds and pests and disease, cover crops, crop rotation, supporting biodiversity, supporting soil health. And there's so much sophistication to be learned within each of those practices. And what's exciting about them is by implementing those practices well, organic farmers can be more successful both in the quality of their crop and the economic viability of keeping their farms, but also in providing these environmental and public health benefits, really basic ways where you can avoid the need to apply a pesticide by integrating some of these practices. And it's very exciting. It's very exciting. So our commitment is to keep investing in that production-based information to give farmers the tools to keep growing their food the best they can be within an organic system. Yeah. Soil health and water use efficiency and avoidance of some of those um, nasty inputs that maybe some of their conventional counterparts are using and some of those research projects are making a huge difference for farmers around the country, and we feel really proud of that. Yeah, I agree. You know what's so interesting to me is that many times I'll hear maybe organic naysayers say, well, you know, the yield is less. And yet if we look at on the OFRF website, there is a wonderful section that I would really direct consumers to first and foremost, and that is frequently asked questions because it goes through, you know, what is organic farming exactly? Why might it be important? How does the certification, how is that regulated? And so on. But I think one of the last points that's made is we look at how much research goes into organic food production. And it is such a drop in the bucket when we look at overall research. So if we do see a need to increase yield in organic systems, and the yield might be less, but it's not, in my opinion, so significantly less that we should say we can't do it. Rather, we should be putting more money into research to finding the best seeds, the best soil conditions. 
you know, the best ways for farmers to improve yield and nutritional quality? Absolutely. I think you said that so well. The United States overall, as a percent of our gross domestic product, invests actually a relatively small amount of funds compared to other countries in agricultural research overall. However, I think if most people knew how much we did invest in ag research, they would find those numbers pretty astonishing, large numbers, billions of dollars in, in ag research. However, historically, what we've spent as a country, and, and I'm talking public investment, so there's, there's private investment, which is different, but public, you know, Department of Agriculture, congressionally funded research money uh, for agriculture, the amount of that that's gone into organic systems is minuscule. And we've been advocating for over 20 years to push for more federal investment in organic research money for public universities to support the next generation of ag professionals, farm research and support the production. But you're right, even though we're doing more than we were 10 or 20 years ago, and that's something that I think we've seen some successes in and our advocacy pushing for some federal investment, but it is still a very, very, very small percent of U.S. investment in ag research overall. So yes, when you talk about questions like, is there still a yield difference between organic and conventional? There is in some crops in some places, but we're seeing that yield difference get smaller and smaller as the years go by, and it's because we are investing in research. But absolutely, if we were investing a proportional share of U.S. research dollars into organic, say organic is 6% of the market share, if we put in 6% of agri-research dollars into organic, I would put my stake in the ground that that yield difference would disappear entirely. Yeah, I totally agree. So just for our listeners, $2.5 billion is the total USDA annual research budget, and organic research gets 1.5% of that, which is such a shame when, as you know, climate mitigation is so dependent upon our agricultural practices and organic holds such promise in helping to reduce some of the CO2 emissions. There's also nitrogen pollution that is part of that, as you well know. I need to take one break and just remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are joined by Ms. Breeze Tenser. She is the Executive Director of the Organic Farming Research Foundation. Breeze, you have been working so closely with organic farmers for so many years. What would you say some of their greatest challenges are right now? Every number of years, our organization, the Organic Farming Research Foundation, conducts a national survey of organic farmers. It goes out to every certified organic farmer in the country to ask them about what their needs are and what their challenges are what type of research they would like, how they could be better supported. We also do listening sessions with farmers around the country to get input from them. And we take all this information and we put it together into an agenda of recommendations for future research and and policy changes that could better support the organic sector. And the research needs of organic farmers, the policy challenges are, are definitely diverse. They do vary by parts of the country. But there's a few underlying things that were commonalities across farmers in all parts of the country. Soil health, interestingly, came up as a top challenge for organic farmers in every region that we surveyed them. And to me, 
that's a lost opportunity. They're talking about basic agronomic challenges. And again, it goes back to where are we investing ag research dollars? We are already investing a lot of money in conventional answers to these challenges that it is a shame that organic producers have had historically less information and less resources for how to manage these challenges without the conventionally allowed fertilizers or pesticides, et cetera. So soil health is a big area, and it's one that we've been working really, really hard over the last two years to do a better job responding to farmers' identified need for more information in that. So we've been compiling huge literature reviews of all the bodies of existing research in soil health practices as they relate to organic farming, publish them in a farmer-ready guide. So within soil health, there's a whole lot of questions. Soil health as it relates to nutrient management, soil health as it relates to water use, soil health as it relates to conservation tillage. And we've been putting out these resources for farmers, and we're getting phenomenal response. People are hungry. We're getting tens of thousands of downloads of these reports. We've been doing some webinars, mostly for farmer audiences, to help get this information out into their hands. We've had over 800 people attend the last few webinars we've held. Really, really great response rate. So we're excited to see this progress, and we know that we still have more work to do that we as an organization in the federal government need to continue investing in more research to address farmer challenges. Mm-hmm. And I want to just give a shout out to our listeners that there are free, there's a free webinar series on soil health. And anybody who cares about human health, plant health, and how everything is connected really might be interested in this. So while farmers are a primary audience, I think increasingly members of the public health community are connecting those dots. You know, as a dietitian, I certainly didn't learn about the connection when I was getting my degree. But I think in today's world, anyone who is not seeing those connections between how we produce our food and the nutritional quality in public health is really missing a very key part of progress for the future. Absolutely. And in addition to those free webinars, one thing that your listeners and a broader audience that the public might be interested in is we've also developed a new Why Organic landing page on our website, but different from our primary content, which is aimed at a farmer audience, but information trying to show how organic farmers are using these practices. It's meant more for a general audience, the public, consumers, others who want to better understand what organic really means. So showcasing stories of farmers using some of these soil health practices or pest management practices and so forth on the farm and seeing how it really works in reality so that they can feel confident in what organic means and what they're buying and supporting and how it's good for them and the environment when they invest in organic food. Exactly. And I also want to share that I love the reports. You've got the National Organic Research Agenda. You've got research investments and the impacts of the grants that you do give researchers. So this talk about transparency. We can learn so much just from this one site at OFRF.org. So I highly recommend that. Breeze, I've been asking you a lot of questions. What do you want consumers to know about OFRF's work and moving forward to the future? Well, I would love to share that our three areas of doing advocacy on behalf of organic farmers educating about organic practices and investing in research to support organic systems being the best they can be are core things 
we're working on and that we're investing in as an organization. And I would just, if we have a moment, love to just mention an example or two of what I mean when we're talking about research that we're investing in. Oh, yeah, please. Um, is an example to help understand what we're doing and what we're accomplishing and how how these investments are making a big difference for, for the environment. And I'll just quickly name maybe two examples. One, I would imagine many people have heard of methyl bromide, which is a really, really nasty fumigant that's been used for a very long time on some crops, in particular strawberries. Mm. Strawberries, and I think you mentioned earlier giving your kids strawberries with methyl bromide yeah. when there wasn't any other alternative. Before I knew better. Before you knew better. And quite frankly, at that time, probably almost all of the strawberries were grown with methyl bromide. They're a finicky crop known among farmers as being sort of a prima donna, I've heard farmers mm. call strawberries. They are tricky, very susceptible to disease. And for a long time, it was considered that it was not possible to grow strawberries at a commercial scale without methyl bromide. Certainly, some people were doing organic strawberries at a very small scale for a long time. But how to do that commercially? We were able to invest some years ago, a very small amount of money to a researcher at the University of California, Santa Cruz, to invest in a practice that was considered a little out there. People weren't very confident it would work called anaerobic soil disinfestation. It's like, what is that? But basically, it's this practice of creating an anaerobic condition in the soil for a very brief amount of time. And what it turned out that that practice did was it killed the soil-borne diseases and thus avoided the need to apply methyl bromide to get rid of those soil-borne diseases. And it's turned out that our small investment, we made an initial grant of $27,000 to this researcher and it turned out that the possibilities for this research was so big and so huge that the researcher was able to go on and first get a $200,000 grant and then a two-plus million dollar grant to continue and expand the work and has since brought in, I think, over $10 million to continue to expand that work. And now commercial-scale strawberry production in organic is widespread. It's growing. Consumers want organic strawberries, and growers are able to meet that demand and now the majority of certified organic strawberries are using that practice. And that's really, really exciting. And I think part of what is exciting about these types of investments is conventional growers can use those practices too. So even if they're not going all the way organic, the fact that they now have a tool to avoid use of methyl bromide or to, at a minimum, reduce its use is really exciting. That is really exciting. And I think that so many times we're so focused on the food on our plates, the fact that organic has been found to have less pesticide residues, for example. But it's not just us. You know, I was recently at a conference where there was a panel of farm workers who described what it was like to be exposed to these harmful chemicals such as methyl bromide and the harms that it did to them and their families. So I think for me, part of the reason why purchasing organic when we can makes such a difference is that, yes, there are nutritional benefits, there are benefits to the environment, there are also benefits to people who are producing the food. And I think sometimes those individuals aren't even thought of because they're so far away from us. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share that's exciting in the research world? One other example of a, a project that we think has been making a real difference is we've made several investments to plant breeders to help develop seed varieties, cultivars, that were best suited to organic systems. And I think one kind of consumer-friendly story is we invested in a project at Washington State University to do some wheat breeding. And would like to mention that we were able to 
make this research investment with the support of Cliff Bar and the Seed Matters Initiative, but we're able to invest in some seed and breeding projects to help organic farmers have the best tools available to grow the right types of seeds suited for their climates and to be successful without the need for conventional inputs. And the breeder at Washington State has done some really interesting work breeding varieties that were having the right agronomic traits, so success on the farm and able to thrive in an organic system, and then was layering on some interesting information where they were both testing for nutritional quality as well as test. So they have this bread lab, and they're testing these new varieties of wheat that they are breeding to make sure they have the right protein levels, they have the right taste and characteristics that chef wants, and that are working out on the field and helping farmers grow them successfully. And that partnership is actually, I think, sort of unique, but for us is so exciting where you can see how are we really looking at what is working for the farmer, for the chef, and for the consumer with the nutritional end, and all of it on a uncertified organic farmland and with certified organic seed varieties. And we're really excited to have been able to invest in research to further that work. Oh, yeah. It is exciting to to me as someone who cares about the nutritional quality of our food as well as the environmental impacts to see that, oh my gosh, how we are producing our food is having a tremendous impact. And then on top of everything else, all the other good ideas that are happening, we're also getting better taste. So it's all good. I want to ask you about funding because OFRF gives grant money to researchers. I've been a part of this process where we reviewed the grants, and it's so hard. There's so many good ideas, and we always need more funding. How is OFRF funded? I know you're a nonprofit. Is it mostly through individual contributions, foundations? What makes it work? It's an ongoing process, and we get support from government grants, from foundations from organic food or farm companies who believe in our work, and of course from individuals who believe in the cause of supporting organic farmers and the benefits that organic farming practices are bringing to the environment. And we need all of those sources to be successful. And I would say for people who care about organic food and want to help, we welcome donations, individual weather from as small as they can give, the dollar a month recurring to bigger gifts. It makes the work possible. It makes us able to fund more and more research. I will say for transparency that one challenge we have is every year we get way more applications for research grants than we can fund. And we're turning away phenomenal grants because we have limited pools of funding. So every contribution helps us invest in more and more on-farm research to help ensure organic farmers are successful. That's a key part of our work. I would also encourage people who are just curious or want to learn more. We have a really meaty newsletter. People can go to our website. We have blogs. We have a Facebook following. It's really easy to sign up to get monthly updates. Lots of ways to engage with us. And, of course, when we do our advocacy work on behalf of organic farmers um, around Farm Bill and ensuring that organic farmers have a fair share to government programs, easy access level foothold for USDA programs, uh, that sometimes we count on the voices of people who believe in organic to make their calls, send the letters, trigger the email off to their congressional representatives. So the more people want to engage, sign up, get those newsletters, updates, et cetera, the better, because there are lots of ways to get pulled in and show your support for organic food and farming. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been incredibly informative. I want to direct our listeners to www.ofrf.org to learn more, see how you can get involved. 
I need to close. Unfortunately, our time is up, but I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And I especially want to thank my guest, Miss Breeze Tenser. She is the Executive Director of the Organic Farming Research Foundation. Thank you so much for your time with me and for your work. Thank you. Thank you.